We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the CHGO Cubs podcast. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan. We are coming to you on Sunday, July 16th. And Brendan, the second half is underway. We saw Justin Steele pitch in the All-Star Game earlier this week. Unfortunately, today on Sunday, not his best outing of the year. The Cubs start the second half dropping two of three to the Red Sox, despite a really strong start from Marcus Stroman and a red-hot weekend from Cody Bellinger. Uh, So we have a lot to talk about, Brendan. Marcus Stroman uh, with a really eloquent and I think well thought out post-game press conference about his status, his feelings on the Cubs, et cetera, et cetera. So want to get into a lot of that. Want to talk about the aforementioned red-hot Cody Bellinger. I uh, want to talk about, I you know, plug your ears, Brendan, but Nico Horner struggling at the plate. We do have yes. to talk about that. We do. Um, and, yeah. you know, again, just a, a disappointing series to start this pre-deadline uh, stretch. So not not the weekend we wanted, Brendan, but, you know, we had that one Sunday last week where they won, and, and we, we kind of felt like we were off the hook, but they just don't win on Sundays, yeah. I guess. Look, lucky for me, I was on the Friday show. So I saw two blowouts, and I had to do two shows on two blowouts. I can never win. I, right. I just want like maybe two consecutive weeks of feeling good about this team. Is that so hard to ask? Yes. I know. Uh, apparently, yes, it is. Um, so plenty to get to, uh, but first, do want to remind you, I know you guys have heard about this if you watch the CHGO Cubs podcast or any of the other CHGO shows, uh, but do want to let you know about the inaugural Kickoff Golf Classic Tournament at Cog Hill Course number 2. That'll be at 9 a.m. on August 25th. Uh, you can sign up as an individual, a twosome, or a foursome. If you are a CHGO diehard, we have a promo code for you. Entry fee includes 18 holes with a cart, exclusive pins and aces, tea gift for every player, access to limited edition pins and aces, CHGO polo contests, giveaways, prizes, lunch, drinks, and ceremony. It is going to be a great event. Uh, you can email john at allcitynetwork.com if you would like more information. And that is always a good reminder to check out the diehard memberships at allchgo.com. 
you guys know the deal. You get discounts on all these events. You get uh, a free t-shirt when you become a member. You could get the one that I am wearing right now uh, and access to the members-only Discord. But if you are a golf fan, a golf player, uh, do check out the CHGO Kickoff Classic at Cog Hill on August 25th. All right, Brendan. Uh, I was honestly trying to draw that out because I I just don't know how much we yeah, you or I really want to talk about the Cubs. Later. But yeah, um, just disappointing. I mean, a disappointing way to come out of the break. We knew that in this stretch, the Red Sox were the only team that the Cubs faced before the trade deadline that was over 500. So we knew this was an AL East team uh, that even though the Red Sox came into this series in last place in the AL East, they were still several games over 500 and a good, talented team. Uh, And we saw that uh, this weekend against the Cubs, the Red Sox taking two of three, uh, putting a lot of runs on the board in the games that they did win. Saturday was nice behind Marcus Stroman, but all in all, just not the Cubs' best weekend here. No, you know, I mean, I can kind of see it in the chat. It's like the the angst or the attention is all over the place with this team. It's like, why isn't Bellinger batting cleanup? Why isn't Amaya in the lineup? Why is Hap struggling to hit for power? Why is Nico struggling? What happened to Justin Steele? It's like the sum of all the struggles is so much and that's kind of representative of this team there's too many areas of this team where things can go wrong and right now in, in this series we're just reminded of it there's i mean like stroman said it best and i know we're, we're going to get into it but he said there's a lot of focus on the next week of whether or not to be buyers or sellers and he said he believes it's not really like that, where they can come back in August and September and force their way into a playoff spot. Like, for me, I I'm I almost am tempted to say that I'm just, like, exhausted. I don't want to, like, care anymore. Like, I'm, like, sick of being strung out with this type of roster and, and some of these lack of performances. It's a really difficult team to watch, Corey. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I... I don't like watching a team that lacks strikeouts and lacks power. Like, like to me, I just don't have fun watching this team. I don't know yeah. how else to put it. I, I mean, I I tend to agree with you. Um, you know, and yeah, like Steele had one clunker. It's fine. He's been absolutely phenomenal. It's not that big a deal. Um, but overall, on the weekend, the Cubs lose on Friday, th- uh, eight to three. Uh, they win 10 to 4 on Saturday and then lose 11 to 5 here on Sunday. So a lot of runs scored in this series. Unfortunately, the Cubs were only on the right side of the ledger on one of those. Um, there, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Like, you know, coming into you know, the game like, today. It's like the we, same conversation every week. It, it is the same conversation. Like that, that's every what week. I mean. It by feels this. very much, uh, like, you know, Michael Scott and his vasectomy. Snip, snap, snip, snap, snip, snap. Like, we we go through this, and I, I know a lot, you know, I, I don't think anybody ever really, like, fully bought in, like, oh, yeah, this team is great. But, like, they do show signs of being able to play sustained good baseball for weeks at a time. And then, again, like, the next week, they look like the absolute worst version of themselves. It is yeah. pretty frustrating. Um, there's a lot to nitpick. I don't think that that's how we're going to spend this podcast, but... There, there certainly is some. You know, Mike Talkman had a really nice game in the leadoff spot on Sunday, uh, going 
two for two, and then he walked three times. Uh, but, you know, it still caught my eye that coming into the game, both he and Nico Horner hitting 1-2 had sub-700 OPSs. So you're just looking at this lineup like, and again, Talkman had a nice day, so it, it worked out, but you're like, why, why are these two at the top of the order? Like, given their current performances, how hot does Cody Bellinger need to be to hit higher than fifth, right? Like, when he's your only source of power, like he doesn't come up in the first inning, you know, uh, unless multiple guys get on, just doesn't seem like the best process. And I already tweeted my comparison to John Lester because he's well below it. But I, listen, I have no idea. Somebody sell me on why Miles Mastroboni continues dude, to get I'm, opportunities I'm, on this team. He's I'm terrible. Like, I'm, dude, I'm sick of doing this. I'm sick of talking about this, dude. I'm sick of talking about the lineup and all these decisions. Like, <laughs> I, I, I wish I could appreciate our podcast five years ago. Honest to God, I wish I could appreciate that more because I'm I'm missing that. This every Sunday we do these shows. We're talking about similar topics. Why is this person batting second? Why is this person not batting cleanup? What's up with this bullpen decision? What's mm-hmm. up with this triple uh, A guy going off not on the major league team? Like, dude, like I'm so tired of doing this, and yeah. I. At the end of like all of our discussions, it always comes back to you. This team is just not built. And so like for me, that's where my mind is at right now. Like they can fall their way into a playoff spot. They could win, you know, eight of the next 10 games. It's all, it's all definitely possible. Uh, is it likely? Absolutely not. It's all possible. But still, it's not going to change that feeling for me unless something significantly changes in the organization. And that's kind of where my attention is. I'm like, dude, like, I don't care about Master Boney. Like, I don't care about, like, who's up and who's not right now. Of course, I want to see Matt Mervis up, but, like, there's so many other larger general problems right now. Yeah, and I, you know, hey, we, uh, I am reading it in the chat. Like, y'all wanted to see, if you're listening to us live uh, on YouTube, hop in that chat, let us know what you're thinking. Um, we are reading it throughout the show. Obviously we'll, we'll try to get to it if it's, uh, you know, can fit our conversation and and we can, if you're listening later, watching later, wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube. Hello. Um, yeah, I mean, we, again, it, it does feel like a lot of the same conversations. You know, we've talked about this roster construction and when I was in the studio earlier this week with Cody and Ryan, you know, we're talking about how like, it does feel like David Ross, even though I just said I don't get some of the moves like I also get the position that he's in where it's like like what do you want him to do what is he supposed to do right you have one power hitter basically in the lineup like where are you supposed to put all these guys the chat earlier was talking about how Ian Happ has struggled you know what I mean like where you're supposed to put these guys I I don't really know why Amaya doesn't play all the time I I really don't know I mean I, I I think they're trying to be careful with him just given the injury history and his workload and things like that but yeah at some point you would like to see him really getting some experience like if you're going to turn the keys over to him as your primary catcher maybe as soon as next year you know you're going to need him to get some significant innings with some of these guys and show that he can play multiple days in a row and and things like that but um I I do want to talk about Stroman first because I think that you know especially like the weekend that Cody Bellinger had the start that 
Marcus Stroman had and then his comments after the game. Like, I, I think they do really play into this overall discussion um, of where this team is going and how they approach the deadline. So, of course, Marcus Stroman had a really nice start uh, again on Saturday. Um, he continues to just look really good. Uh, six innings, three hits, one earned, one walk, and three strikeouts. He's got a 2.88 ERA. Given the start that Steele had on Sunday, Marcus Stroman is now the leader in the clubhouse in the ERA race. So they have flip-flopped at least yeah. for a moment here. Uh, and then Marcus, you know, with a really sort of brutally honest post game that I thought was, you know, kind of nice to hear. He's never sugarcoated everything. We know that about him. Um, but I think in this specific instance, it was pretty, you know, cutting and straight to the point kind of quotes yeah. from him after this game. Um, I'll, I'll read some of them and then, you know, we can just discuss. Um, he said, after the game, at the end of the day, it's a business. So we have to treat it as such. Even though we have this love for this fan base and this organization, it's hard to kind of separate it at times. I love being a cub. I love everything about it. No matter what happens, I would hope that they would be in the mix in the offseason when it comes to my free agency. Whatever happens, happens. If I have to go somewhere else and pitch for two months and then come back, you know what I mean? Regardless of what happens, like I said, I'm in a great space mentally, so I'm going to be good regardless. He went on to say, I'm open to an extension. I just don't think it's going to happen. There's zero hard feelings. I have a great relationship with Jed Hoyer and Carter Hawkins and the Ricketts. I love everything here. I just don't think they're in a position to sign me before the deadline. He also went on to talk about Cody Bellinger and how much Cody Bellinger wants to stay here. And he did say, like, as you were kind of alluding to, Brendan, it's not even necessarily about 2023. It's also about, you know, why wouldn't you want to keep good players in your organization? He said, I'm a good pitcher. I know what I'm going to go out there and do. I've proven it with the results. Cody Bellinger is red hot. You know what he can do when he's healthy and he's playing like this. Why wouldn't you want those players in your organization long term, whether it was for the next four months or for several years, right? So kind of, you know, putting it to a lot of what we have said and what a lot of fans have said, where it's like, if you trade these guys, you have to replace them and you're not good enough with them, right? So you have to build on top of them. Yeah. I think it's pretty clear, right, in his comments. Now, we heard stuff from Ian Happ and Nico Horner before they were extended, so you never know, right? This stuff changes on a dime. But it certainly sounds like Marcus Stroman is, uh, he says it literally, is not expecting to be extended by this team. And really, it sounds like he's expecting to be traded. Before I, I throw it to you, Brendan, I'll just finish with I don't I never believe the idea that a guy would test free agency and come back ever. In recent memory, Aroldis Chapman and the Yankees is the only time and, and if I'm mistaken, drop it in the chat or tweet at me. I'm I'm Jason happy to Hamill. be wrong. Say again? Jason Hamill. Jason Hamill. I don't know <laughs> if that counts. Um World Series champion, Jason Hamill. Yeah, because they had his potato chips, right? That's what it was. He used to come out to Pearl Jam. I love Jason Hamill. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't buy it, right? Like, you you trade a guy 
may they can say all the right things. They love Chicago. They have a good relationship with everybody, but it just it doesn't happen that frequently, right? KB said the same thing. Anthony said the same thing. Javi said the same thing. Wilson said the same thing. And whether the Cubs had interest in those guys or not, you know, it doesn't matter. It's just not something that really happens. If you trade a guy, you're probably bidding him farewell. So just a, a very interesting press conference after that game from Marcus Stroman. Yeah, this is sometimes like these conversations can be misconstrued because like obviously if you're not going to compete for the next two months, then why would you not want to trade these guys and get some type of anticipated value? Sure. Assuming they're only going to give you back a draft pick and the qualifying offer, right? Like, so when I and you talk about this, I, I think it's more like, okay, what do you gain by keeping them? Assuming free agency is inevitable because it's likely going to be inevitable whether they're on the roster in August or not. They're going to be testing the free agent market. So there will be 29 other potential suitors, no matter if they stay or no matter if they leave. So what's the point? So for me, the reason I think it might make sense to keep Stroman specifically is because, one, I do think reinforcing that environment that has made him successful is an advantage come November and December when he's exploring other options. If the money is close to other teams in years past for other players, they have picked in certain franchises sacrificing a few millions of dollars. Uh, it's been done even by former Cubs, John Lester, and even Jason Hayward sacrificed more money up front for the Cubs, although there's other contractual stuff going on. It does happen. The second reason from the Cubs' point of view is that information, I said this last week, that information is very valuable when you're trying to commit significant money to a pitcher. We've seen it recently, Jameson Tyone getting almost $70 million, having to go through developing a new sweeper, right? For the Cubs, if they intend to implement new changes, or if they want to make a really informed decision about their future, having a player in their system for two months is the best way to get the most information possible. So to me, that's what I'm contrasting that with, with getting back, let's say, a double-A guy, a 22-year-old double-A guy, or getting back someone like a Zach McKinstry and then some prospects. So I weigh those two options and then also the possibility that they could win 8 out of 10 and find themselves in a playoff position despite not being in it at the trade deadline is still possible as well. To me, that makes more sense. But that's my assumption, assuming the market's not going to be robust where you get back immediate value for next year. If it is, if you can't get back an immediate, like clear-cut, valuable contributor for the 2024 team, then yeah, maybe I would trade Stroman. Uh, doesn't mean I want to extend Stroman either right now. This is absent from that entire conversation. Yeah, I mean, I think like also when we talk about, you know, trading the guys and things like that, I, I know Gary, uh, our, our good friend of the chat, Gary was, you know, saying like, you don't want to lose them for nothing at the end of the year, right? Like if they go to another team and it's just a comp pick or something like that. Like, I think part of the conversation is not necessarily that you have to extend them, 
but like it, it's it's all a bigger conversation, right? Like just talking about not necessarily wanting to sell them doesn't necessarily mean that I just want to ride out the rest of the year and let them leave for nothing like yeah. they did with Wilson, right? It, it's it's sort of implied that part of that would be, as you said, keeping them for a little longer and then maybe making the decision to extend them that's at, at a later date. That's a very important decision. You yeah, cannot, it, you cannot get that wrong. Of course, but I'm saying it's it's not binary, like either yeah. you trade them or you let them walk for nothing. Part of the idea of not trading them might be let's keep them in the organization and perhaps for longer than the rest of this year. But uh, I, I do, you know, jokingly, uh, we, we did have a comment um, earlier that said they should fire Jed and let you and I run the team. Horrible idea. Let's do um, it. I appreciate it, but terrible idea. Anthony what? Rizzo would be on a 500-year contract right now. <laughs> That's not true. Maybe like 300 <laughs> years, not 500. It's too much. Minimum 500. Yeah. Um, you don't want that, right? Like John Lester would still, even if he didn't want to pitch, I would be paying him to go out there <laughs> and pitch. You don't want that. Um, yeah. So I, I think, again, as, we, as we've said, like – Part of my concern and, and, and the discussion with this is, again, if you're looking at things in a vacuum, right, like I, we've talked about this a million times. I don't think it makes sense to pour significant resources into this team, right? They're behind two teams. They're several games back in the division. Even if they can sneak their way in it, soft buying at most would be my interest, right? Just some supplemental things so that you're not starting Miles Mastroboni every day or you, you know, get some more depth in your bullpen, things like that. Um, but, you know, it, it remains my concern that you would be potentially selling pieces for a third straight deadline. You would be selling right now your best pitcher and your best hitter and your only power hitter. So you're going to need those things going forward. I think the free agent class for pitchers next offseason is fine, and you can find some good guys there. It doesn't have to be Marcus Stroman, but that just leaves a lot to address in this offseason. And it also becomes a situation, Brendan, where three straight sell-offs, at some point we have to question whether we trust this front office to continue executing this plan, Yeah. right? Does the— does the organization feel like it is in a good enough place if they sell for a third straight deadline? Do we feel good enough about their system? Do we feel good enough about their prospects in 2024, right? And we haven't seen this offseason yet, so it's tough to answer. But that's, that's I think, part of where we, yeah. you know, where this deadline becomes, again, not everything is always just in a vacuum. If you're looking at this season in a vacuum, of course they shouldn't be hard buyers. They should be trading PCA to try to win a World Series in 2023. Of course not, right? But it, it, it's, it's a long-term thing. There, there's long-term ramifications of every decision that you make, and it does, I mean, ultimately, like, it just gets tiring, Brendan. Like, how many times, do, I don't want to listen to these press conferences anymore. This is the same stuff that Wilson said. It's the same stuff that Rizzo said. They love it here. They'd love to play here, but they're not in a position to do it now. Well, when are they going to be in a position to do it, Brendan? Well, I mean, the question I have for you is, like, do you, is part of your interest keeping them so you can elongate an extension window? Is that why you want them here? Because, like, people, people respond to what you said 
to our earlier point, they're going to be free agents no sure. matter what. Yeah. So the fact is, of course, you would want their value to remain on the team long term, but it doesn't mean that they can't be brought back. So it's twofold. Do you want the two-month extension window or do you not want to tease to them the idea of leaving as what was done with Rizzo and the previous course? So like for you, what what is the principal motivation? My principal motivation is that they're two of the best players on your team. So you would, in this offseason, have to replace them and make additions because you're not good enough with them. And if you look at recent returns for some of these guys, if they trade Marcus Stroman for it's not as good of a situation as when they traded you Darvish, so they're not getting a return like that, and that return looks terrible right now. Owen Casey looks great, but it's not a return where you go, oh yeah, we should be selling at the deadline all the time, right? If they trade Stroman for someone like Reggie Preciato, we're all happy with that. That's great. It puts the organ... No, right? Like, I, I I don't know specifically what I want them to do, but trading away your top two players, basically, at this point, and like Strowman yeah. and Steele are kind of neck and neck, right? It's a semantics thing. But it just leaves them in a, in a bad spot. It doesn't mean that they have to extend those guys and keep those guys. But the value of these trade deadline packages is not what it once was, right? If you are thinking that the Cubs are going to get an earth-shattering return for two months of Marcus Stroman, it that's that's not going to happen. Like yeah. I, I don't. I just want to break it to you. That is not going to happen. So you, you. I mean, you think like if you trade them, you decrease the chance they come back even more than it, it might already be. That's kind of what you're thinking. I, I guess. I mean, it just doesn't. I don't know, man. Yeah. It, it's more just a frustration that they're in this position, right? That's the problem, that they're yeah. in a position where it logically makes more sense to sell guys off, right, rather than investing significant resources uh, in something else. And, you know, like I, I, I see Gary in the chat, like they might get a, a, some good players in this return, but I, I don't think it will be a return for Stroman that a lot of people think it is. That's just not how these trades go a lot of the time. Like, yeah, it, yeah. It, there, there's just not a lot of recent trades at these deadlines where teams are just truly like swiping top, top prospects. Like, and yeah. we've seen it for the Cubs, right? Like a lot of these guys that they've traded, like they've gotten some really good prospects out of them, but it's not a, it's not a slam dunk like it used to be. No, it, it's not. And I mean, the Stroman extension, we're going to be talking about this throughout the offseason, I imagine. But like, as it stands now, the value is obvious, but it doesn't mean there aren't concerns about his profile going forward. You hear the argument, oh, he's going to age well. Few pitchers age well in their mid-30s who don't get strikeouts. And the contractual demand might be quite high for Marcus Stroman. So I do think there will come a time... In the offseason, we're talking about does it make sense to sign Strowman or go out and trade internally or spend more money on the higher end free agents out there? I think that will be something to determine. But for me, to get the most information, if I'm like within with if I'm within the team, then having August and September, those remaining 12 starts, those are a lot of like unique and valuable data points and the continuous uh, relationships with the coaches and working on new things and just propelling off that as he starts to age. That is valuable. So that's why for me, like I would like to keep him. And this is again, assuming like you just said, the prospect returns not going to be like as motivating. I don't want like 
double-A prospects right now. Not when the team is supposedly supposed to be competitive next year. And from Jed's perspective, I'd be surprised if he does that. He may not be part of this organization 18 months from now, given how everything is going. So it's a complex situation. Let me do this ad break and we'll turn it back to you, Corey. First break here from our sponsor, Shady Rays. Take on the sun with gear built to last. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for the warm weather ahead with premium polarized shades at an affordable price. Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn, durable frames, and extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. That's not all. Shady Rays offers their most insane protection program in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they'll send you a brand new pair. No questions asked. Wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. Together with their customers, they are also providing much-needed support to nonprofit partners across the U.S. through Shady Rays Impact. You're distracting me, Corey. I'm trying to do this ad break. You're distracting me. I look good in the Shady Rays. You do. Rays. What do you, you want do look, me? You do look very good. I want those black ones like you have on. Uh, from building play sets for pediatric cancer patients to providing young adults with MS, the outdoor adventure of a lifetime, Shady Rays is making an impact in your community and others like it now and for years to come. If you don't love your Shady Rays, if you don't think you look as good as Corey does right now with them on, guess what? Within 30 days, there's no risk when you shop. You can return them back, and they will send you a free return or your money back. And exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out their best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com and use code CHGO for 50% off two-plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself to shades for the five stars but over a quarter million People, second break here from our wonderful sponsor, Game Time. If you want to go see the Cubs play, if you want to give out your heart to the next two weeks, try to motivate them to get to a position of buying, you want those last-second tickets, Game Time is your place to go. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price uh, best price guarantee. You can stop stressing out over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun that you'll have. They have flash deals and last minute tickets. They are easy to find and you can buy tickets for every kind of event in your area. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. Those Cubs games, you can snag the tickets without stress with Game Time. What you need to do is download the Game Time app, create an account, use code CHGO for $20 off your first purchase. Terms do apply. Again, create an account and redeem code CHGO for $20 off. Download the Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. All right, so I want to talk a little bit of Cody Bellinger. Uh, as you see with Christopher Morrell, if you were watching us live on YouTube, hit that thumbs up, give us a like. It does help us out. We appreciate it. Um, want to talk about Cody Bellinger. Obviously a big weekend, uh, 0 for 3 on Sunday, but the two homers on Friday, big grand slam, uh, as Pat Hughes would say, the turning point moment on Saturday. He's hitting 301. Brendan with a 358 on base, 524 slug, a 135 WRC plus. That K rate still in that sweet spot of around 17 and a half percent. He's up to 12 homers on the year, so he is providing, especially this weekend, that power that is desperately missing uh, from this team. 
you know, look, we we talk about a lot of the moves that we didn't necessarily like that Jed made. Um, <coughs> Trey Mancini, uh, excuse me. Um, but I, they nailed that one. You know, it, it it was a flyer deal, you know, trying to get him to reclaim uh, his past status, kind of change the scenery out of L.A., where obviously he had a lot of expectations on him and things like that. And he has just been absolutely brilliant um, this season for the Cubs. Yeah, man. I mean, sometimes it's hard to get uh, reminded of guys who have been good and guys who have been... uh, uh, There's been a lot of bad decisions, right? But you look at Cody Bellinger and, you know, a lot of the discussion we've had about Stroman can be applied to Cody Bellinger as well. But over the past... I think, what was it, three, four weeks, batting average of like almost 500, uh, continues to hit for power. He has some struggles too in May and all of the knee injuries and concerns. And again, having them, those that, those medicals come August and September, if you want to extend Cody Bellinger to a three, four, five plus deal, that's invaluable. You don't want to come to a situation where you have Trey Mancini, a new guy in your organization with the athleticism going down unpredictably, where the sprint speed is markedly down. This has happened to Jonathan VR in the past. This has happened to many previous guys who were anticipated to be depth pieces. You don't want that to happen um, again, especially when you commit that much money. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are still good things going on in this organization, still good signings that look productive, that can yield value. And so that's one of them as well. Yeah. Uh, a brief, you know, interruption. I am waiting for Gary in our chat uh, to Jake Slaughter, just Homer to give Iowa oh, the lead. So I am waiting for uh, that discussion. Um, 16 homers for Jake Slaughter. Look at so. that. Um, yeah, I mean, he's just been great. I, you know, again, like I, I, they should pick up the phone and listen on anything, right? Like if people want to make you a strong offer for these guys, I know, you know, some folks in our YouTube chat were talking about packaging guys together, you know, to try to maximize the return, listen on anything, right? Um, I do re I like Cody Bellinger a lot, you know, the ability to play center field the way that he does the ability to mix in at first base, um, which unless you call Matt Mervis up and get some significant, answers on him, you don't really have that answer going into next year uh, at that particular position. He's, you know, he's excellent on the base paths. Um, You know, in addition to all the other stuff, he's got 11 stolen bases by the end of the year. You know, he could be a 20 homer, 20 plus homer, 20 plus stolen base kind of guy. He just looks great. So yeah, you know, as people have said, you know, you look at his agent, you look at the fact that he signed a prove it deal, like, you know, his asking price might be higher than what most people are comfortable with. It sort of depends on what the Cubs are planning to do. Again, my my thing with Bellinger uh, specifically, right? Because I, I do think you look at that free agent class, you look at Stroman's age, et cetera. Like I, I'm, I'm far from saying it's a slam dunk that you have to extend him and all that other stuff. Um, just that he's obviously been your, you know, best or second best pitcher, and that's not easy to replace. But Bellinger, I, I think fits this team going forward, man. If somebody wants to give you a nice haul, if the Yankees want to call and have Cody Bellinger hitting on that short porch in New York, you know, yeah, sure, let him pay up and, you know, maybe you can get some stuff for him. But I do think that Bellinger fits this team. And even if you plan on having PCA up soon and patrolling center field next year, you know, next summer, things like that, whatever that kind of timeline is, 
I, I still think Bellinger really fits. He can DH. He can play multiple positions. He is excellent in the field. Um, and it's power, man. Like, we've talked so much about the power situation with this team. And whenever you look at it, like, we can dissect Hap, Seiya, um, you know, some of these other guys and, like, how the power is is not really there and things like that. We can dissect that as the years goes on because some of these guys are obviously going to be part of the fold for years to come. Um, but Bellinger is is going to provide that for you if he's looking like this. And he really does look like he has made significant changes because that K yeah. rate has stayed down this whole time, right? even through the injury, like it is in a really nice place. And so I think if it, you know, is something that can make sense for both sides, I, I do like the fit long term. Uh, I do, we have a couple super chats, which we very much appreciate. Again, good friend Gary Ross with the 499 super chat. Jake Slaughter leads Iowa in home runs and RBIs. Get him up for power and give him a chance. Not saying he is the long-term future, but definitely worth a look. And then we have another super chat from Fernando. I'm just here to suffer together as a unit. We're you're always welcome. here for that. You found Fernando. the right place. <laughs> yeah, you've come to the right place. Uh, appreciate those, you guys. Um, yeah, I mean, look, like, I, you know, Slaughter's overall numbers aren't as exciting as I think you'd want them to be for AAA, but Gary's right. Like, Cubs need power. At, at this point, you know, you're giving starts to Mastroboni and Trey Mancini. Like, you might as well spread some of the wealth and get guys up and, and see what you have there. So, yeah. um, but yeah, bringing it back to Bellinger, like, I, I just think he fits. If you, if you get a nice offer, like, sure. But the, the power problem with this team is legitimate, and that is not going to be an easy one to address. We've talked about, you know, someone like Matt Chapman, who I think is going to be maybe an obvious name that's connected to the Cubs because he plays third base, he can hit for power, but, you know, he's over 30. He does not have that long track record of being an elite, elite hitter. It's, I, I don't think that's a slam dunk. And again, you know, a guy that I'm sure a lot of teams are going to have interest in. So um, it may not be easier to keep Bellinger. It might not be something that, you know, Stroman says Bellinger wants to stay here, but, you know, do we yeah, know that that's true? Do we know what that, is he even willing to consider an extension? Because right now he's going to get paid in the offseason, right? Um, not necessarily like you know, some of these other guys, but he's going to, he would fetch a nice contract if he's performing like this for the next few months. So I just think he's a good fit, Brendan. Yeah. I don't know. I want to be honest. I, I don't, it, on paper, he's a good fit. Uh, there's also a paper that shows the Cubs are committing $160 million already for next season. And that's about 75 million underneath the, the penalty. Right now they're five mil underneath the penalty. If you, let's say, re-up Stroman, that's probably 20, 25 mil. You reduce your pillow of money to 50 million that you can spend elsewhere. And this is not even including arbitration, the other 40-man guys. So realistically, you're around like already 35 million, 40, 35 million, if you extend Stroman. If you extend Bellinger, you're probably around now 15 to 20 million to make other moves for this team doesn't seem like enough and you're committing that value or that money to guys who have had extreme seasons in the years past and legitimate injury problems this year missing sure. a, a month with a knee injury and similar to stroman with that uh 
age and the contact profile. I don't think extending either of, either of these guys now makes sense whatsoever. I actually would quite, I would be quite frustrated if they do that and uh, explore other decisions and moves in the offseason. I'm still interested in bringing them back, but it has to be under the right circumstances. If you just extend Stroman and Bellinger and limit down your payroll flexibility to $20 million in the offseason, there's an argument to be had. That's a dumb idea. There's still a lot of risk in that because you still don't have that clear middle-of-the-order bat. Even if you bring back Bellinger, you still don't have that top-line ace that can get strikeouts even with Stroman coming back. So I can see it not making sense. In the moment right now, like, you know, we're all frustrated it's going to be another year that a sell-off is in everyone's mind. That That's so frustrating, right? And I understand all of that, but I still think, like, you know, extending these guys is not the answer or solution to the current feeling of frustration. It's making the best informed decisions that I think are going to be easier to make if they're within house. But if they end up trading Bellinger, dude, like I'll be honest, I don't really have a problem with that. As crazy as that sounds, I would have more of a problem trading Stroman given the volatility for guys his age and pitching and the Cubs need clear pitching right now. And it's harder to get those pitchers in my mind on the open market than it is to get the hitters right now. So I, mm -hmm. I would have more of a problem trading Stroman, but if they trade Bellinger, like, you know, I'll be frustrated. I like to keep him if it makes sense. I think the Cubs can just risk it and maybe find himself in a playoff spot, but if they trade him like, yeah, you know, whatever. Like you still need to go out and get a three and four hitter in my opinion, regardless if he's on the roster or not. Here's a question for you, just conceptually, because I, I, I see it a little in our YouTube chat, and I know it comes up on social media. I'm just curious your opinion on the idea that as we go into an offseason, do you feel like three straight sell-offs and you know this kind of continuing of moving of players, do you think that affects free agents at all? I mean, obviously it didn't for Dansby, but he was sort of adamant about how important winning was and probably not wanting to be in this situation. Do you think that has any effect or is it money talks, doesn't matter? I don't think it has any effect. I think the front office has a history of selling it regardless. You can always sell hope, right? And like, it's hard for me to conceptualize how much money these guys make. Like, dude, if I got paid $100 million, like, like put me off in the corner of the country. Like, I don't care, right? Like, that's such an insane amount of money and then you're doing that in one of the most historical stadiums in the world not just the country the world in wrigley field in a beautiful city like it's an easy sell and then you can sell any player from jed's perspective look at our clubhouse look at our facilities look at all the recent free agent success we've had look at the fan base it's an easy sell i don't think the cubs tanking again for the second half is going to be such a significant uh deterrent to any free agents Money talks too. That's that's that will always be the driving force. No, I I'm, I I agree with you, right? Yeah. Like you know, we we hear a lot about that stuff, and you know, obviously it's not a good contract. Neither of them look like good contracts. But KB went to Colorado, and Javi went to Detroit, right? Like those teams always stink. Like it, you yeah. know, it doesn't matter, right? They got paid a bunch of money. They go play there. It doesn't really make a difference. Yeah. Um, look, ultimately, we can and we will debate this uh until the trade deadline but i think like a huge a huge thing for me is like i think you can make an argument in either direction keep certain guys sell certain guys soft buy soft sell whatever right the the conclusion for me though is that it's obviously disappointing that this is the conversation that we're having 
And I do have real, genuine questions about how this proceeds forward, right? Because it's an easy take to look at this group, see where they are in the division, see where they are in the league, et cetera, et cetera, and say, of course they should sell, right? This isn't the year. Push it down the road. But like if we leave the trade deadline and they've traded both of these guys, sure, they get some excellent pieces. There are a ton of questions that have to get answered for this team to be good in 2024. A ton. And so I'm not saying that means you have to keep guys or you have to buy or whatever. Ultimately, though, it's just the larger conversation for me is how does this organization get into a better spot? Because we keep doing this at the deadline and then we just do it again the next year. So when some people are like, sell off the good assets and we'll try again next year, well, they did that this year and this team stinks half the time. Sometimes they look great, right? But like sometimes they look like the worst team in the league. We're having the same conversation. So what gets us from this deadline to the end of this next offseason and to next trade deadline, having a different conversation, <laughs> well, right? That's going to be questions ownership asks. Dude. I, you know what I'm, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, yeah. I'm not going to sit here and say they have to sign Stroman. They have to sign Cody Bellinger or they have to trade Stroman or trade Cody Bellinger. But yeah. we've just, we just keep doing this when they traded the core, right? It was, they have to, this team isn't winning. They need to move on and they'll address it and get better in the off season. They didn't, they were worse. Last trade deadline, they need to trade these guys because their contracts are expiring. They'll, they'll fix it in the off season. They signed Tucker Barnhart and Trey Mancini, right? Like, and sure, they added Dansby Swanson, but it's the same conversation as last year. They lost one of their best bats in Wilson Contreras, and they only replaced him with Dansby Swanson. They didn't add on top of him successfully. So my main point is just like, we keep doing this. It's very easy to sit here and say, of course, this team isn't winning a World Series. They need to sell assets and try again next year. Yeah. How, how do how do we have a different conversation? Because right now I'm not confident that trying again in this offseason is going to have us having a different conversation at next year's trade deadline. That that's my point. To to me when I when I listen to you, like explain your thought process, your rational. To me, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong. It's like Strowman and Bellinger are just like the proxy for your frustration. Yeah, like, of course. Well, because like, they're the two most obvious candidates, yeah. right? Like, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's, and I'll do this ad break. I can, we can do this for the next two hours. But like the, the last point for, for me is like, I'm willing to be patient, right? Like I know ownership has a track record of being patient with Theo and even Jed on this recent sell-off because the confidence that they can rebuild and yield a successful competitor in a respectable time window was high. But that time window for Jed is now extending into the fourth season, and it's not obvious, and the confidence has to go down as a result. And the, the, the worrisome trend I'm seeing in our conversations is that we're talking about extending Stroman and Bellinger as a way to salvage 2024. And maybe that's a strong word right now and not the right way of saying it. But like to me, they're not the answers to 2024. Like they too are complementary pieces. Like the answer to 2024 are extreme changes to this roster. 
And that's in the form of getting a legitimate slugger in the lineup. That's in the form of getting true stability in your starting rotation. Like a guy who can get 10K per nine like years. And to me, like we already had Strowman and Bellinger on this roster and this roster sucks, dude. It's not enough. And you're currently right now $5 million away from being taxed on crossing that penalty, dude. And if you extend them, you're still around 20, 25 million of doing that without the free agency period even starting next year. So to me, this is just like a proxy for a larger conversation to be had. And then I go in my mind, I start thinking, well, can Jed do this? Like, can can this be can this be salvage? Can we leverage some of the good things going on in this organization? Like, I don't know. And then I then my last thought is, well, we're stupid fans. Like, I honestly don't know. Like, and I'll just we'll be watching this no matter what. I honestly have no idea what's going to happen. We could be talking next year, and the entire tone could be completely different because there's always there's always blind spots. There's always we don't know like any of the information. We're also stupid too. So wow. Sometimes, sometimes, most of the time. But like that's that's where I kind of fall back on. This is these are all generalities. But to me, I don't have that confidence in Jed Hoyer. I just don't. I think you saw him. You you had he had a chance to do it this season, dude. And you're five million away from crossing the tax penalty. I don't have that confidence. I don't want to talk about Stroman and Bellinger being extended to salvage 2024. I I just don't want to do it. I, I'm sick of having these conversations. That's kind of where. I fall back on, but before I start going on hours, let me do this ad break here. I'll throw it back to you, Corey. Uh, ad break here from our good friends at FOCO. Get fitted out in the best sports gear around. They have hoodies, shoes, signs, bobbleheads, everything in between. If you want to go out to Wrigley Field, protect yourself from the sun, wildfires, I guess. What's up with your wildfires in Chicago, Corey? The, the air quality They're looks terrible. They're not in Chicago, Brendan. Well, like the air quality is like coming, like whatever. That's not our I'm fault. I'm not criticizing Chicago. I'm just saying, like, what's up with that? Listen, listen. We're both Buffalo Grove kids. I don't want to hear that. But if you want to protect yourself from the sun, it's been sunny there sometimes. You have straw hats from FOCO. You can have bags to bring to Wrigley Field. Uh, Aloha shirts if you want to fit that vibe. They have everything you need for a game. Also, Hayden Wisniewski. We have a nice bobblehead from our good friends at FOCO. Hayden Wisniewski is being stretched out in AAA. Hopefully not in a anticipation that he might have to be starting because, you know, you're giving away Strowman. But we'll see. You can check out FOCO.com. Click the link in the description below. For all non-pre-sale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Last ad break here from our good friends, Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's beer since 1988. They have a very deep beer roster, the Goose IPA, a six-time medal uh, winner at the Great American Beer Fest. They always are in style. They have a citrus aroma, a bold hop finish. They also have the Tropical Beer Hug, a dry hopped Imperial IPA that has 9.9% alcohol, which is dangerously easy to drink. Every time I read this ad, I wish I had that right next to me doing these shows with you, Corey. I need like three of those right now. But I always default to the 312 Wheat Ale, simple, uh, a good Sunday beer, a good relaxing beer. But also, if you're in a good mood, you have the full pocket pills so you can throw those back. Cody does that every time the Cubs win in his uh, uh, revered beer chugs. 
And you can grab ultra-fresh brewery-exclusive beers at Goose Island's Original Brew House on Clybourne Avenue in Lincoln Park or from their tap room on Fulton Street in Westtown. Goose Island Beer Company, Chicago's Beer. I, I see in the chat that our, our friend Gary also grew up in Buffalo Grove. Look at so that. Shout out Buffalo Grove, Illinois. Yeah. BG. Oh, man. I'm I'm tired of this, Brendan. This team is very tired. Yeah. I'm I'm tired. I'm legit tired doing this. Uh well now I'm gonna make you miserable because I'm gonna ask you a question that you're gonna have to answer for me because you speak for him. Um it's not a pitching question. Um, but I do need you I'm gonna be brutally honest here, right? Um one for five on Sunday. Nico Horner now hitting 270 with a 322 on base and a 377 slug, a 92 WRC plus, Brendan. So he is brilliant in the field, uh, but he has so far been a below league average hitter on the 2023 season. I know you were tweeting about uh, his hand placement on Twitter. Because yeah. um, I know, you know, they lose two of three coming out of the All-Star break. The Cubs are eight games behind the Milwaukee Brewers, six games behind the Cincinnati Reds. And what everybody wants to talk about is where are Nico Horner's hands, right? When he's doing Don't his pre-swing load. Um, Those are legitimate <laughs> questions, Corey. No, I, I know. <laughs> Talk to me about Nico okay. uh, because, you know, I feel like with his defense, with his base running, he's a guy where you can live with him kind of hovering a little above league average in terms of his offensive production. Yeah. But I think this so far, and of course, you know, there's a lot of season left and he had a, a really hot beginning of the season, but this is, uh, you know, uh, an, an interesting sort of thing to look at. And, you know, really, yeah. I, I just, sure. uh, I ask you, not because I'm concerned about Nico Horner. Nico Horner is a, a great all-around player, and I have no concern that he will figure this stuff out, but just curious where this sort of slump is coming from. Yeah, you know, Nico's contract is for around like, you know, $40 million. Like that's the value they're paying and they're buying out the pre-ARB years. On a legitimate contending team, he's a complimentary piece, a very good one at that, but like he's not going to be your driving guy. Like he's likely not going to be your leadoff guy. Uh, one of the best defenders in the league, but offensively he's going to be around league average. And the hope is he improves his power and he can be above league, league average and he's showing signs of doing that. Nico... This season, the numbers in the past month have been like terrible, dude. In the last 100 plate appearances, a 270 weight on base average below that uh, has not been good. So the question is, what is going on now versus what was going on in April when he was looking like, you know, one of the best second baseman hitters, not just defenders, but hitters in the league, like Luis Arreyes, right? Like what is going on now? And the answer to that is something that's going to be always like very complex and something that, you know, you and I, when we talk about this, probably is only on the surface level. But one of the differences in his profile this year versus last year was that he's not hitting sliders as well as last year. And that was like last year, the reason he has so much success is because he produced 17 more runs than the average hitter against sliders. This year, it's below league average, Corey. So, they, so the question is, what is going on? Well, 
you can look at also what he's done well this year versus last year. In last year, he struggled against four-seam fastballs. That was a one-pitch type that he didn't produce value, positive value against. Maybe struggle's not the right word, but it just wasn't one of his best pitch types he succeeded against. This season, it is his best pitch type he succeeded against. So then the question that I have is, okay, so like, is that intentional? And I think you can make the argument without even asking them. These always have to be asked the players. But what he's doing differently now is his hand placement is a little bit higher, right? And he debuted with the same type of hand placement, that mechanics. And if you look at just his at-bats and you look at the profile of his exit velocity, which I have a graph that, Stephen, if you have a chance to pull up, we can talk about this. Uh, perfect. If you look at where he's hitting the balls in the zone the hardest is on pitches up in the zone this year. And you can just look at the more red, the higher the exit velo. In fastballs up in the zone, he's hitting about three to five miles per hour harder this year. Whereas pitches lower in the zone, he's hitting about five to 10 miles per hour slower this year. And to me, that signifies an intentional change to hit pitches up in the zone, fastballs up in the zone, those pitches he may not have done as much damage as he would like, but unintentionally, he may have lost the same feel for hitting pitches lower in his own, those breaking pitches. And he struggled, dude, against the against sliders in the past month, down and away have been awful. Like he's striking out uncharacteristically on those pitches. So I think what might have happened is he trying to combat pitches up in the zone, given the change in batting mechanics, given the success He's had against pitches up in the zone this year, and as a result, he's not hitting those lower pitchers as well as he did last year. And so then, can this change? Like, I, I don't know. You know, hitting guys always go through hitting changes. Like, Rizzo always did this. Um, you know, Bryant always changed. Hap has always changed. Changing in and of itself is not a bad thing, and I would not be surprised if he goes back to changing. I mean, you look at Kyle Schwarber's approach, dude. Like he changes like every three months. I'm always watching Schwarber because uh, I'm always curious about it. But he always has that innate rhythm. Like no matter the mechanics he shows pre pitch, he's always set up in the position where it's the same every single time. And for Nico, it's the same type of thing. It's just what do you do pre pitch to get yourself in a position to hit the pitches you think you need to hit? And right now, it's been a struggle. Um, can it change? Yeah. Uh, am I confident it can change? Well, yeah, because we saw it for a huge sample last season. Is it inevitable? No. Sometimes this is takes some time. Uh, should the Cubs count on it? I think there's a good reason to believe, yeah, they should. They, they can count on it. Uh, it's just frustrating to see him go through those, these changes. But nevertheless, like Nico is going to be your top-tier defender with league average offensive value. That's what you should put on paper. And if he's below league average offensively, he's still an average to above-average player for that price, which is still worth the contract. It doesn't take away the idea that they still need to go out and get like like leading hitters in this yeah. lineup. Yeah, this was something, uh, you know, I saw it in the chat, and it was something that Ryan and Cody and I talked about on an episode earlier this week. Um, you know, Cody was expressing frustration with Hap always kind of hitting in the three, four spot, despite not having the power in it, you know, led to a larger discussion of exactly that. Like you have a lot of guys that just are not middle of the order hitters. And David Ross is searching for someone to do that. Uh, but it's really Bellinger or bust basically, because you have a bunch of other guys that some of them have been 
good in terms of their overall uh, production. They're above league average hitters, but not by much, right? And they're not yeah. doing it through slug. So even you look at a couple other guys before we, you know, wrap up uh, in, a, in a second here, like Ian Happ and Seiya Suzuki have combined for 14 home runs, combined for right. 14 home runs. It's not good enough. Yeah. And Happ has been in a major slump. He's right now at a 111 WRC plus hitting 245, 373, 379. Seiya Suzuki's at a 99 WRC plus. So just a tick below league average, 251, 334, 391. Like these are all fine, you know, numbers. A lot of these guys have had good seasons in a vacuum, but when your whole lineup is basically doing that same thing, right? No (laughs) slug. Some guys are getting on base. Some guys are hitting for average, but the overall offensive production is sort of right around that league average mark. It's obviously not good enough, right? And we keep saying this, they need power hitting. They need star hitting. I used this example, I think, with you last week or earlier this week with Cody and Ryan. Like, the Dodgers team this year has been much more like mix and match than we have seen in years past. But you know what buoys that offense? Mookie Mookie Betts Betts and Freddie Freeman. Freeman. They put two guys at the top of the order that have a 950 or higher OPS. They They slug, they do it out, and then it's fine if you have a bunch of guys who are platoon hitters or sometimes hitting, you know, around league average, et cetera. It works out, right? The Cubs just don't have that massive, massive power. And Christopher Morell, to his credit, has obviously provided a lot of that in his time up, but relying on him to stay that hot, right, while you're still trying to figure out where he plays in the field half the time, like it's it's just not a, the roster is not set up for success is obviously uh, the main part. So, It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my last point that we can sign off here is Mookie Betts is making over $300 million. Like Freddie Freeman is making $160 million. Uh, the Cubs, their three, four hitters are making $60 million and $80 million respectively. What happens, say, uh, that's like below half as much as those Dodger guys are making. Despite that difference, the overall payrolls of the Cubs and Dodgers are very similar this year, which if you take away everything we've talked about, and if you're just looking by numbers, like by by salaries and wins alone, and you know nothing about these teams, if you were to look at how the Dodgers spend their money versus how the Cubs spend their money, and you look at the value that's being output, it would probably not make much sense to be spending this much money but you're devoting a fraction of that to your third and fourth hitter, mm-hmm. right? But that was the situation they had to be in because there were no other clear alternatives this offseason that you and I saw, and I'm sure it was very hard to accomplish getting those like clear-cut sluggers in the middle of the order. Of course, we want that, but is it possible? Well, clearly it was not. They didn't do it. Either it was impossible or they're just not as skilled at getting those guys in your organization. And that's where I fall back on. They did at the end of everything we're talking about, Corey. This has been a failure of a season so far. Like, sure. I mean, that's really what it is. You're so close to being penalized for your payroll, and you're eight games back of the division. Like, this front office has failed so far. That's what it is. And you can have confidence going forward. I wish I had your confidence. Like for me, my expectations are so crazy high that like if you're not even approaching the Dodgers, like like 
Who's Bye-bye? confident? My yeah. confident? No, you're I'm, you're never confident, first oh. off. Yeah, sometimes you're confident, but most of the time you're not. But like, if you think you want to give Jed more time for this front office, be my guest, man. Like, for me, I'm at the rope, dude. Like, and this is always a dangerous wish because you don't know what else is going to come in and take over. So I understand that, but like... You know, this front office has failed. They failed you as a fan. Like they failed every Sunday. They are failing you and I, Corey. The amount of distress that they have put on us every Sunday is a health hazard. I should sue the Chicago Cubs for health problems. Honest to God, that's where I'm at with this team right now. Yeah, so the Cubs are 43 and 49. As we record this, eight games out of first place uh, of the Milwaukee Brewers, six games behind the second place Cincinnati Reds, two and a half in front of Pittsburgh, and just three and a half now of the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, coming up this week, you continue this homestand. So you've got three with the Washington Nationals, and then you have four with the visiting St. Louis Cardinals. So seven games all this week to wrap up this homestand. Um, they, they got to start winning, dude. I mean, obviously like, you know, for whatever conversation you're having, they, they certainly need to have a better week than they had this weekend. Um, you don't play another team that's over 500 until the trade deadline. So if they're going to make something happen, they have to do it now. Um, you know, for a lot of people, they don't care. They're ready to sell and move on. So it doesn't matter. I just saw a comment, uh, intelligent spending. Remember that term? (laughs) Yeah. Very smart. Uh, so being eight games out, you know what they really, you know, what'll help Brendan, they should keep starting, get Tucker Barnhart out there all the time. I mean, that's what it is. Let, let Miles Mastroboni drop that OPS below 400 before you stop playing him. Move Hap up in the order, say up in the order, Barnhart back cleanup, Miles Mastroboni back third. And uh, keep letting Trey Mancini play out there for who knows what reasons give say a break you know i don't know man uh some of this i just don't understand right like there may not be great answers but they just keep running out some of these guys that just are not good uh and i'm not sure what they see in them but keep going i i don't know you know that'll (laughs) fix it um anyway uh i hope that lifted your spirits cubs nation this wonderful hour of uh discussion um like, what do you great, want me to great. do, man? I don't like. know. Um, yeah, as as friend of the podcast, uh, D West says in our chat, definitely no Morel. Keep Amaya out of the lineup. Don't yeah. bring Mervis back, even though he's been hot since he got great back thoughts. down. Don't get more information on him. Mancini, Barhart, Masterboni, the Done. trio that's taking us to the NL Central title. Done. You guys know it. I don't know, man. Um, mm. You got to play better. Look, again— as we've said, whatever you think they should be doing at the deadline, whatever you think of this season, you have a few weeks till the trade deadline, and you do not play good teams until that time. So yeah. if you're going to make something happen, you have to do it now. And if you can't make something happen, as I've said throughout this week, you don't deserve it, right? If you can't beat up on teams that are also below 500 with your season potentially on the line— you don't deserve the help at the deadline. It'll make the decision even easier if it's not already done for Jed Hoyer and company. So we'll continue to break it down. We'll continue to monitor the rumors. We'll talk about anything they do or don't do when it happens. Uh, But that is what we have for you for this week. 
uh, Cody, Ryan will be back with you uh, for pre and post Let's for this national here. series coming up. Uh, we appreciate you guys uh, hitting that like button if you're watching on YouTube on your way out. That thumbs up. We would appreciate it very much. Uh, Brennan and I will be back with you next Sunday. Can't we appreciate, wait. Can't wait. We appreciate <sighs> your support uh, for CHGO and the CHGO Cubs podcast. We'll talk to you again soon. And as always, uh, you know, no matter what, go Take Cubs. care of yourself out there. <laughs> be healthy about this. <laughs>